y'all have a million ways each day Mm -hmm. that you can choose bravely instead of letting your fear own you. And again, when we decide that brave doesn't have to be doing some big Herculean task, it doesn't have to be quitting your job to start your side hustle or climbing a mountain or coming out. It doesn't have to be those. It can be the small, intimate choices that you make in and out of your day every day. When we own those, brave begets brave. We step up into ourselves and we feel that energy and that momentum and that power. And, you know, we can't change anyone but ourselves, Mm -hmm. but when we change ourselves, the people around us change, they cannot help it. Mm. So own your brave. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the brilliant Heather Vickery. Heather Vickery is an award-winning business owner and global leader with over 20 years as an entrepreneur. She leverages her entrepreneurial skills and expertise to coach individuals toward greater personal and professional fulfillment by helping them leverage their fear into intentional bravery. Heather says, when we choose bravely on purpose, we choose bigger, have bigger successes, and it's contagious. A celebrated public speaker, Heather inspires audiences and empowers attendees with the tools they need to live bold and successful lives through creating balance, time management, mindfulness, as well as countless systems, strategies, and boundaries. Heather is a single mom of four, all girls, who left a decade-long marriage and came out personally and professionally. She has a note here. Yes, came out as in out of the closet. She is the author of Gratitude Journal, Shift Your Focus and Grow Grateful, a gratitude journal for kids and families, and the soon-to-be-released Fuck Fearless, Making the Brave Leap. Heather is also the host and executive producer of the Brave Files podcast. Heather, my love, my darling, and my dear, what do small businesses need to focus on this week? And I'm just going to say that's a really big fucking question, Annie P. Ruggles. I know, boo. I know it is. Thank you for being <laughs> up to the task of answering it. All right. I mean, so, I told, I, this, it says in the definition, or the definition, the description of this podcast, that you're often ask me goofy, that never fluffy. That's right. We are not fluffy. Okay. There's a ton of great knowledge. There are a lot of things, folks. There are a lot of things you should know this week. But I have one rule as a, as a, professional human, as a professional coach, as a parent, as a friend, as an entrepreneur, and my one rule. And so this is what I want you to learn this week. My one rule is that there are no fucking rules, right? You get to do this however you want to do this. And my job as a success and leadership coach is to help you untether from all of the other ways everybody has told you to do things and to connect with the ways that feel good to you, 
that help you create a sense of accomplishment and success and balance. And we can go there with the word balance. It's real and you can have it. It's just not what you've always thought it was, right? There are no rules. You get to do it however you want to do it. And if you are doing it the way somebody else told you to do it, stop. Yeah, stop immediately. Stop Stop immediately. immediately. I love this topic so much because I think for me, it's it's the story of this most recent iteration of my career, which is the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy. I could not sell how I was being taught to sell. Yes. I couldn't do it. And I was surrounded with other people who didn't want to do it, couldn't do it. It felt awful. And so I went out to try to find how other people were selling well so I could take something that resonated with me. And I couldn't find a damn thing. So I made my own rules. And now I teach those rules and I teach my clients to turn (laughs) around and say, hold on, that doesn't work for me. What Annie said, hold on, let me alter it so that it does. There really are no rules. And I love also what you said about that idea of balance, just not feeling what you feel like it should feel like. For me, it's acknowledging that balance is not a once and done. It's not yes. like and it's not a scale. It's not right. just the scales of justice. Right. It's going to tip. You're going to fall off balance it's- sometimes. It happens and life continually happens. And so I love that you're combining Those two ideas that we hear so much about separately, but not in combination, which is rules and Mm -hmm. balance. How does bucking other people's crap help you find true balance? It, It is the core of it. If you want to be balanced, and let me just clarify like I said a second ago, balance is not the scales of justice. Mm -hmm. Balance really is just how you feel at the end of the day, the week, the month, the year? Are you doing things that feel good? Are you spending time in ways that feel good, that bring you joy, that make you feel connected, that make your life bigger than you? All of those things, right? And so in order to have that harmony or balance, whatever it is that folks feel more comfortable calling it, um, you have to throw out those other rules. You You can't work, well, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, you can't work 90 hours a week and then feel balanced, but some people can. And that's what, so the, the self-defined, we hear all the time, like define success on your own terms. Yes, please define your success on your own terms, but define balance on your own terms too. Mm -hmm. If you are a single person who absolutely gets off on working 90 to hundred hours a week and you need two hours a night of sleep and, and whatever, and, and that makes you feel fucking fantastic cool. Do it. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Stay hydrated if, and lay off the Coke. Other than Because <laughs> you know, you're nuts. a Coke if that's you, you know, that, you know, it, for me, I'm a single mom of four. I have a business. I am an author. I host a podcast. I'm an avid community member. For me, what makes me feel balanced is finding time for all of those things and me and self-compassion. And I love to read and Bridgerton and we're going to get there later. And, you know, like uh, for me, building my life in a way where I get to put a little in each of those buckets, mm-hmm. not maybe not every day, but at least every week in some capacity 
that's what feels good to me. And that's my sense of balance. And I can always tell, and I can tell in my clients and you all can tell for yourself, when are you unbalanced? When you spend more time feeling bad than feeling good. Mm -hmm. And if you're spending more time feeling bad than feeling good, then it's time to reassess what's happening. So uh, my platform, you, you have your non-sleazy sales. Mine is the brave method mm-hmm. and, and to implement the brave method into your life. And, and we can talk about what that is, Annie, if you want to. Um, but it's that reassessment of, wait a minute, what doesn't feel good? Well, how am I spending my time? What are the choices I'm making that feel like shit and how do I change them? So mm-hmm. that key piece of awareness of knowing how you feel and then choosing to not allow it to be acceptable to you anymore. I love so many things in what you just said there. And I think for me, the awareness piece you mentioned is so key because the number one way for me to tell if I'm out of balance is if you ask me how I'm spending my time, I cannot tell you. Yes. Yeah. That's a huge indicator. Intentionality, right? If I lose intentionality with my time, I'm out of balance automatically. And I love that you brought up stuff like Bridgerton, which we'll bring up in a bit and reading in that. No, I don't have time to read a novel every day like I would like to. I don't. A whole not like me either. <laughs> but I do know that if I don't read a little bit every day or every couple of days at very least, I'm going to feel out of touch with myself because that's my pleasure time. That's yes. my time. That's my grounding time. That's my escape time. That's yep. my me time. I'm an only child. I need a lot of quiet. And as a kid, <laughs> I spent a lot of time with a lot of books. Right? And so if I don't read enough, I don't feel balanced. But to other people's definition of balance, again, fuck the rules. To other people's definition of balance, leisure time, giant air quotes, doesn't even go onto the plate. And I'm like, no, but it has to. Because if I don't intentionally and with awareness look at what I'm bringing into my life, then those things die on the vine. And I refuse to let these things that ground me and make me me die on the vine. And I think another thing that you're bringing up, which is so freaking gorgeous and something I wish I had understood years and years and years and years and years and years ago in my business and I'm still waking up to is this idea of what we're tolerating. What is no longer correct for you? Like you just said, like what what is going along in your daily life that no longer fits, that's just there because of habit or circumstance that hasn't been removed yet? What are you tolerating? And I think you're totally right. We move the tolerations. We get rid of the excess rules. We get rid of the excess baggage. We find space again for the stuff that matters. You create it. I have a whole workshop on tolerations. Tolerations are huge. It's all so, and, and I have a whole journey with reading. I have an English and theater degree. I'm a reader, but then I'm also, I I became a mom with four busy kids and I, I didn't read forever. I had this whole story in my head that I couldn't read unless I had hours and hours of free time and you don't have hours and hours of free time. And over the last three years, uh, I have worked very hard to rewire myself mm-hmm. and my day to accommodate, uh, learning and passion for myself, like the things that I want. And, and after a lot of hard work, I now have, and then they're, they're pretty hardcore everyday major parts of my self-care plan is during the day, I give myself 15 to 30 minutes to read for press professional or personal growth, or I, if I'm doing anti-racism work, whatever, mm-hmm. um, 
that's in the morning. When I am in the car or on a walk, if I'm not looking for solitude or in the shower or doing dishes or do whatever, I listen to an audiobook. It's almost always a memoir. I learn that way. And then I read for pleasure, whatever the fuck I want to be reading for pleasure in the evenings and on the weekends. And where four years ago, I probably didn't read 12 pages in a year. I'm already on my 26th book this year for 2021. And I read 56 last year, but clearly 56 is getting crushed and it's not a competition. And I'm not trying to be in competition with any of you, but for me, it brings me so much joy. And it took me three years of really intentional exploration on Mm -hmm. what kind of pattern was going to work for me. Um, And now I don't need hours and hours. I can read five, 10 minutes here and there instead of scrolling social media. And that's part of it. That's part of the brave method. It's part of balance. It's part of calling yourself on your bullshit. And we, society tells us how we're supposed to do things. I say there are no rules, but we tell us we put our, we put ourselves in the timeout box. We give ourselves rules that we don't need. And unless you're doing so what brave stands for is boundaries, reassessment, reframing resilience. I call those the three R's action and accountability, vulnerability, and expand and empower. Hmm. And, and they don't really have to go in order except for the last one you get that. If you do the first four, you end at expansion and empowerment. Um, And we can talk a whole lot about that because I'll just say, I'll just drop this knowledge. Nobody can empower you, but you, nobody can Mm -hmm. give you that. If you come across a business professional that says I empower people, uh, double check (laughs) (laughs) because they don't. Because empowerment is a gift you give yourself. It is not something somebody can give you. It is not something they can sell to you. I can motivate. I hope I inspire. I hope I connect. I hope I do all of those things, but empowerment is only yours when you show up. You and are the only when you person. Earn it, right? When you're talking about moving through boundaries yep. and resilience and vulnerability and action and all of these pieces, you're you empower totally yourself. Right. That is how you empower yourself. Empowerment is not something it. we can buy. It nope. is not something we can go into the in the store and purchase. It is not. Something and nobody gives it to you. Check out. Right. It's it's got to be self created. Yes. 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 Ooh. But of all those steps, the three R's. Because all the rest of it fall into it, reassessment, reframing, resilience, taking the time to get, think about how you feel. How does this feel? What am I tolerating? What questions do I need to ask? What's working? What's not working? What relationships am I missing? What relationships are causing me harm? Um, How am I spending my time? What is my schedule like? Do I need more staff? Do I need to fire someone? All of those things, building that reassessment phrase in, and then I really am deeply, passionately connected to the concept that words matter and that um, there are no failures. There's only learning opportunities. And so when I say reframing, it's reframing the limiting voices. It's reframing the things that you feel could have been mistakes or failures. What did I learn from this? And what do I want to do now? First of all, acknowledging it just simply as knowledge and facts without emotion, without judgment attached to it, Mm -hmm. and then using it to your advantage, because there is always a way to do that. And then Gosh, resilience, folks, you are resilient. I can't tell you the number of people go, oh, I'm just not. I don't have that. That's a lie. You're not dead. I was going to say, if you're uh, alive, aren't you by nature resilient? You are. You are. And so much of it is in how you choose to tell yourself these stories. Mm -hmm. But if you get up and do it again, and maybe that just means life, (laughs) whatever it is, if you show up, day after day, and you do not just lay down and die and give in, you are resilient. And also you can learn to be more resilient. Resilience is a skill. It is a skill that you can learn. 
There are proven exercises. If you want to know more, hit me up. We will talk about it. I have a training on it. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just saying you, you are resilient. And when we can own that about ourselves, I am resilient. I am brave. I am empowered. When we can own that about ourselves, we move through the world and through our lives in a completely different way. And it affects everyone and everything around us. I think that that is just stunning because I can see, you know, how if we're saying you are responsible for empowering yourself and both you and I firmly, firmly believe that. Yes. Where people will go, well, wait a minute. I'm just me. How am I going to do that? But to be able to say you are resilient, you are alive, you are here. If you're showing up in a small business and you just survived 2020, (laughs) resilient as fuck. Resilient AF, baby. Yep. Seriously. And also, yeah. that's not even factoring in what life throws at you, yeah. what the economy throws at you, all of these curveballs. But I know very much so. And and it was not that long ago in my own history, I would have been one of the people to say, I seek resilience. I crave resilience. I am not resilient. But I love that it lies. It's exactly like <laughs> what you're saying about about empowerment. It's earned. Resilience is earned through repeated acts of bravery. Yes. And, and I had a little sign in my office that said, I will be more brave every day. And that was in my office every single day of 2020. I have since given it to my husband who could use a little bravery. <laughs> but I am more resilient now than I was a year ago because I chose to show up bravely to the best of my ability in everything I did as a person, as you know, like you mentioned anti-racism before, that was a huge part of 2020 for me was realizing my own racial bias and problems Mm -hmm. and my Mm -hmm. privilege Mm -hmm. and how I was adding to the mess. Right. And all of these different things. For sure. But I think, you know, weathering ourselves is how resilience is earned. Do you agree? I totally agree. And I will say that that is one of, I believe, the gifts that have come out of the pandemic is that we have all discovered that we are far more resilient and far more inventive and far more creative than we ever imagined we could be. Because guess what, folks? When we don't have a choice, we do. Yep. We figure it out. We do the thing again we are so strong and it's just more in, are you willing to acknowledge that about yourself? Are you willing to step up into that and own it? And a lot of people are afraid to do that because then what, because then what do you have to do next? And maybe it's going to be hard and maybe it is. And you mentioned brave, which makes me smile because brave is my whole business. I have the brave method. I have the brave files podcast. I have the brave on purpose, Facebook collective. I have the intentionally brave entrepreneurs program. I have a book coming out in a couple of months. That's called fuck fearless making the brave leap. Like brave is my whole business. And I want to just say bravery is self-defined also what feels brave to you. Annie P Ruggles may feel very different from what feels brave to me. And sometimes I've done things that I know other people see as brave. I came out at 38 after a decade of marriage and I burned my whole fucking life and my whole business to the ground and rebuilt it all like a Phoenix from the ashes. And I know people think that's brave because it was, but carving out time to read in three different ways every day is also brave for me. And asking for help was hugely brave. And I've interviewed people on the show who going to Walmart is brave or 
popping their head out the window when the doorbell rings because they have such severe social anxiety that they're afraid someone might see them is brave. Y'all have a million ways each day Mm -hmm. that you can choose bravely instead of letting your fear own you. And again, when we decide that brave doesn't have to be um, doing some big Herculean task, it doesn't have to be quitting your job to start your side hustle or climbing a mountain or coming out. It doesn't have to be those. It can be the small, intimate choices that you make in and out of your day every day. When we own those, brave begets brave. We step up into ourselves and we feel that energy and that momentum and that power. And, you know, we can't change anyone but ourselves, Mm -hmm. but when we change ourselves, the people around us change, they cannot help it. Mm. So own your brave. Own your brave and define it for yourself. For yourself. And, And treat yourself with a lot of grace. That's what I hear underneath this is like, well, that may not be brave compared to somebody else, but it's brave for me. And for me, it it reminds me of the first chapters of Mel Robbins book, The Five Second Rule, Mm -hmm. where she's talking about when she was so mired in depression and overwhelm and parenting and everything going on, she would feel like such a piece of shit, waste of space. But she came to realize that some days just getting out of bed was enough. That's it. Some days just getting out of bed was all she was able to do, but damn it, she did it. And I would say, Mel didn't say this in the book. I think she used a lot of words like enough or sufficient. But I think (laughs) some days getting out of bed is really freaking brave. Yeah, I I 100% agree. And sometimes saying no is brave. Sometimes saying yes is brave. One of my all-time favorite books is Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have a little Shonda fetish, which I think we're going to talk about. Yes, but, we are. Um, I, I, we are always saying yes to something. We talk a lot about saying no. It's okay to say no, and it is okay to say no. Own your no. I'm all about it, right? But we're always saying yes to something. When you're saying no to something, you say yes to something else. And I, I love that word reframe. So instead of what am I saying no to today, I say what is when we're saying yes to. So for example, I got. Thank the universe, my COVID vaccine on Monday. And yesterday, I know, so excited. But yesterday, I was supposed to do a live training on resilience, actually, how to grow more resilience. And I felt like shit. I was so tired, I could barely move. And in that moment, the bravest, most resilient thing I could do is say, I'm going to practice what I preach, my friends, and I'm going to do this training on a different day. And I went back to bed. So what are you saying yes to? And it's not always about pushing harder. Sometimes it's about letting go. Sometimes it's about slowing down. Sometimes it's about walking out. Mm-hmm. It's all okay. rescheduling stuff for your own needs is brave as hell. Yes, it, it feels is. like and it, it gives be my the people easiest thing, but it really doesn't. And yeah, it's hard. It gives my people permission to do to take care of themselves and to understand that I am as human as they are. Um, I get really frustrated with folks in the coaching industry who look always as if they've got it all together and they never have mistakes or they, they never have bad days. And I have so many, (laughs) like it's so hard and I just am really real and it doesn't make me any less good at my job. In fact, I think it makes me better at my job because I feel you, I get you. Mm -hmm. I've said the longest time, what people need to feel is seen safe and supported. How are you going to feel seen safe or supported with someone who's not willing to be real with you about their own needs? That's what I'm talking about. Especially when it's something as severe as a COVID vaccine. Like, come on. 
I was passed out. I don't know. Have you had yours yet? I'm one shot in. Okay. Well, I did Johnson and Johnson, which has oh, my anxious look at you, daughter. You have a one shot fancy. Uh, one shot fancy. My oldest daughter, who has pretty severe anxiety, is like, "Well, that's, that's not good enough." And I'm like, "Baby girl, I did all my research. It is good enough, and I'm cool." Doctor <laughs> like, Fauci go. says it's good enough in this it's household. Good it's good enough for me. That's like right. that's what people that's what were like, do you want the Pfizer? Do you want the Moderna? Do you want this? Do you want that? I wanted the Moderna because it's Dolly Parton's vaccine. I got the Pfizer. I did not care. <laughs> I'm like, Dolly will still be happy for me she that will. I got anything. Oh, all hail Dolly. Right? And then my husband got the Moderna. So at least one of us got the Dolly. Oh, yeah. But no, it's, you know, but that's the saying, I'm going to take what's best for me so I can return to my life. Freaking brave. But before right. we go even further, I want to talk to you about somebody super brave and one of her most recent projects. That's right. We already talked about her. Whoop, whoop. Heather, what does any of this have to do with Shonda, Bridgerton, or anything else? Okay, first of all, talk about not following the rules. Talk about writing it the way you want and doing it the way you want and changing fucking everything. Mm-hmm. The queen of it all I, she's getting real close to crossing the line and being more of a queen than oprah for me and that's a lot because i mean oprah if you're even in the category <laughs> that, but she's she can do it all and she, she has done it all and she's constantly reinventing brilliant she's brilliant. Uh, her book is amazing. Y'all. I listen to audio. I like to, I said that earlier. I like memoirs on audiobook um, because I feel really connected and I move in. And I deeply believe that I learn from all of the things that I do in my life. It doesn't have mm. to be a learning opportunity. It doesn't have to be a class. I take that. I, I do certifications. I read all sorts of business and personal growth books, but I learn from the memoirs I listen to. I learn from the TV shows I watch. I learn from the books I read for pleasure. And I loved listening to Year of Yes on audio. When I was done, I wanted to just start it over. I was like, Shonda could just talk to me all the time. Uh, so what does this have to do with it? Uh, I think I think Bridgerton is a really, and I want to clarify, because I know you're going to get hot. Bridgerton, <laughs> the Netflix TV series. <laughs> adapted by or from, I get it, the Julia Quinn book. Okay, we can we can put Julia Quinn in a little pocket. We can talk about her in a minute because I know it'll make you feel we better. But I'm talking about the TV series, which throws all the rules out the window. It, it rewrites it in a way not unlike, which probably would have been the other pop culture reference that I would have suggested to you, Hamilton, not unlike Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is like, wait a minute, let's look at history Let's just decide it's different or Schitt's Creek where there's no homophobia, right? It's right. these same concepts of, well, what's going to happen if we do it in a totally different way? Why couldn't cares Queen Charlotte be a woman of color? Why couldn't she be? Why shouldn't she be? Exa- and, and she is. And you know right. what? Everyone loved her. Yeah. And she's a queer representative. So, yeah. I mean, it's just fucking amazing. Yeah. Okay. So I... <laughs> I am a big believer in gratitude. I am certified in positive psychology. I have Me written too. two books on gratitude. 
Did we talk about that before? I Did don't I know think that? so. I think How we just discovered that? this now. But anyway, please continue. I love it. So when I have my group or any one-on-one coaching or group coaching in my Intentionally Brave Entrepreneurs program, we always end our sessions by having folks share what they're grateful for. And um, in January, one of my clients said, I, this is going to sound crazy, which I tell people don't self-deprecate before you praise, but that's okay. Should I'm grateful for Bridgerton because it is giving me so much joy and mm. uh it's such a beautiful escape and mm-hmm. i'd heard a lot but i hadn't watched it yet and i was like okay this weekend i'm going to do it and i fell in love in a way that i literally did not think was possible with all of it mm-hmm. with the creative casting with the spectacular sets and costuming and mm-hmm. the phenomenal mm-hmm. acting and let me just tell you that this lesbian loves reggae Jean Page's smolder. I, <laughs> I, I literally, somebody's like, oh, he's too broody. And I was like, I have not oh, met no. a lesbian or a straight man who doesn't think I'll bring that smolder up on over who here. Who doesn't reggae. love a perfect smolder? Ah. I completely agree. I don't think there's anybody that can resist the broodiness there's not literally have all the tingles just thinking about it. And I'm like, <laughs> and the sex is, is hot. I mean, my partner was thrilled. Sorry. TMI was like a great couple of weeks because I watched it like four times straight in a row. Yeah. And I was like, she's like, There's do you no just such miss thing me? As a TMI on TLTQ. It's just not. Are you, she's like, do you miss me or is it Bridgerton? I was like, it's Bridgerton. You're it's cute when you don't talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was going to say because that was so funny. Uh, but it's it was such beautiful escapism. It was creative and inventive. Oh, I was, the sex scenes. The sex scenes were amazing, but it was so much more the personal intimacy. The um, I mean, you've seen the memes like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having someone kiss you until you're weak in the knees is hot. But have you ever had someone button your cuff or take off your glove? And I'm mm-hmm. like, just the creativity, the artistic creativity of it. I was in, I was totally sold. I loved it. I went back and watched it. When I went back the second time, um, I watched for different things and I could see things like the Bridgerton crew walking into the ballroom and everybody else is walking backwards. Mm -hmm. Who catches that moment? It's fucking spectacular. Mm -hmm. Right. And again, this is all about or the music, the like figuring out what the music insane. is because it's so gorgeous. But if you're like, wait a minute, I know oh, this. Is this Demi Lovato? <laughs> like, what is like what is yeah. this, right? What is yeah. this? But you know, so you already alluded to my hashtag Bridger Beef. But yes. I love that we're talking more about Shonda than about Julia because I didn't it, actually like the book. Yeah, the book's not good. The second oh, one is good. Oh, it's boring. It's the Duke and I is boring. The Duke and I is. Uh, here's the thing. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I love that it's more about Shonda because for me, the success of Bridgerton, the series, is nothing short of polishing coal into a gorgeous diamond that it has no right to be. In that, I read a lot of historical romance. I read read a lot of romance in general. And that surprises some people because they have this misconception that romance is very white and very straight and very uh, BDSM-y. And it can be. 
Believe it can me, be. the industry. I did read the Sleeping Beauty trilogy. Oh boy, the <laughs> the the um the industry has done a lot though, and the authors that I love to read most are very vocal about making Romance Landia an inclusive, open, forward-thinking place closer to Schitt's Creek where homophobia doesn't exist but that we also just can't ignore the fact that it does exist and so what the problem that i have with julia quinn author of the bridgerton series is that if you go back in time people have asked me what what julia quinn book should i pick up first and i'm like none of them pick up any other because what you will see that you will not see reflected when you watch Bridgerton, if you go back and you read the source material, you will not see people of color. No. You will not see even a shred of queerness. You will not see Jewish people. You will not see social inequality. You Now, here's the thing. You said Bridgerton is incredible because it's incredible escapism. And that is what romance should really do and be. But it doesn't it doesn't do well and it's not fully pleasurable or escapist when you're like, hold on, but this feels way out of touch. So I think what Shonda has done with the world building and the casting of Bridgerton shows what these things could be with proper creativity and nurturing. Yeah. It's and uh, and vision. So multi-layered. All of that. I love it. I we we were joking before we started actually recording the interview. You were like, okay, so you're into modern romance and I'm in historical. And I cut my teeth on historical romance. I did not like to read until I was 12. And my aunt put a book called Defiant Captive in my hands. I still oh, hell yes. I haven't read it, but it sounds amazing. It was amazing. And of course it's awful. It's Stockholm Center. It's awful. As a, like a functioning oh, yeah. adult who has oh, yeah. experienced sexual trauma, like every other woman in the world, like, oh my yeah. God, like this is crazy, but I yeah. loved it. I was in love with it. it I loved the history. I'm, a, I'm passionate about history from reading historical romance novels mm-hmm. um i researched the accuracy of them kathleen e woody was is one of my all-time i just I, i've read them all johanna Lindsay oh. rocks my world may she rest in peace what a loss she was too young um i'd never even heard of julia quinn yeah uh, i did like i've only read the first two books i did like the second book much much better than the first book it's still white and it's just not it's not up to the standard of its show right i've never before seen something where the source material is just so subpar compared to what it's become 100 percent. and at least it's moving right nobody's shonda nobody's shonda but nobody would else would be able to look at the bare bones of the bridgerton series and go this could be a lush diverse queer forward open, inclusive, accessible, beautiful escapism. Uh, I will say this, and this is just coming to me now. I agree with you. I just, I just think that Shonda's brain is like special. Like I said, maybe a li- like right up there, Lin-Manuel Miranda, I think is very mm-hmm. similar in this ability to see potential in a way yes. that no one else could ever imagine it. Yes. But I will say this. In the, in to Julia Quinn's credit, when we talk about reframing, yes. right, reassessing and reframing, she was presented with this opportunity 
Mm-hmm. She knew what she was signing off on. She's yeah. very proud of it. I would have to imagine that she has evolved as a human, which would then presumably show up in her writing for whatever she does next to allow her book to be so altered. Yes. Um, you, you aren't going to do that if you're a horrible fucking person. So she right. has, she earned some street cred, I think in the willingness there and hopefully yes. she, her eyes have opened up a lot. And if you love Rome, And I believe that they have, and I believe that they have, which is why I'm like, yes, watch the show, but just don't go back and read her old books. Just support Julia by watching the show. Yeah. I'm down with that. Also, I, I, I only need to watch the books because I cannot handle surprises. And I need to know a little bit about what's happening mm-hmm. um, because I have no patience for that shit. I like read the last page of the book before I. <laughs> oh, my God. I we are sisters. I can't I do stand the it. same thing. So but... I'm reading them. And I'm just going to say that I'm reading them because I want to know. And also, I actually find joy in the like, oh, that's totally different. Oh, my God. She blew that up. Like, yeah. it, anyway, it's very cool. But I, I did want to when because I think it's. There's some really great modern romance out that's super culturally aware and on the cutting edge. We were talking about um, Talia Hilbert, which yep. is she's got the the Brown Sister series. Get a life, Chloe Brown. Take Danny Brown. I can't remember the name of the next one. I haven't read it yet. They're so fun. Yeah, like laugh out loud, hilarious, so fun. And then um, inching up into my joy bucket, like getting right up there with Bridgerton, is Casey McQuinston's red, white, and royal blue, which they are making into a movie. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so freaking good. I I, read it in one day and that I had gotten it from the library and then I went out and bought the copy and I'm like, I'll just have it. I just need to have it for when I need to feel better. And that book made me rethink one of my own biases, which is that I try not to read a ton of male, male books written by women. I don't know why. But she's a queer woman. Does that she's matter? she's a queer woman. Yeah. But I was just like, look, I'm in love with Prince Harry or the 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 Harry, the Harry formerly known as Prince Harry. Uh, and so I was like, I'm sorry. He's a royal and he's gingy. Yes, please sign it on up. But I loved the way that that book got me to question my own biases. Mm. And I love the way that it reframed all of the stuff that I had of the issues of like, Okay, look, we could write all of these things. Heidi Cullinan can write an incredible romance between two men. So can Casey. Like, you know, all of these different things. But I I love that what's really emerging about this Bridgerton is giving life to your narratives based on what is possible, not yes. just what is available. Yes. And that's what I'm that's... hearing in the similarity between Lynn and Shonda, right? Like, I thought it was so funny. Now I think it's really sad, but I, I remember when Hamilton came out, I read a review for it on, like, a review site. Not, like, an actual review, but, like, a, <laughs> like a Yelp-type review. Yeah. And someone wrote, Disgusting! The presidents of the United States of America were not black and there was no rap during that time. You period. missed the point. And Buster. I'm like, wow, did you miss the point? Like, I remember <laughs> when I took my parents to see The Lion King and my background in musical theater and, and I used to work for Broadway in Chicago and I would take my parents to see everything. And I took my dad to see um, The Lion King and I was on the reception desk at that time and someone called because they were really upset that there was an elephant in their view. For circle of life. And I'm like, dude, the elephant is the view. It's not in your way. 
It's the view. Right? So, like, whoa, did you miss the point? So, sometimes it's like, look, if are we being too limited in our thinking? Are we looking at the stage when there's an elephant right in front of us? Are we seeing all white characters in a book written by a white woman because she wrote them as white? Does it have to stay that way? It doesn't have to stay that way. And so for what anything. about in our own businesses? That's what I'm talking about. Right. Like, how can we shake that up? So what advice do you have for people who want to take a braver, more whole approach yeah. to what they're doing? Yeah. Um, I would say look for the elephant. Mm. Right? Like, call yourself on your bullshit. And look around at what's happening. Get good with who you are and who you bring to the table. You know, you can't change anything if you don't know what you're trying to change. If you're not being honest with yourself, if you're not doing that reflection, reassessment piece, um, you can't create, you can't get somewhere if you don't know where it is. So you've got to know where you're starting and who you are. Um, do it really intentionally. Have be here now tattooed on the inner left wrist. Uh, stay in this moment, get good with you, and then figure out what you want to change. Instead of like, I don't like me. I don't like my business. I don't want to be where I am. I want. I always want more, more, more. Be here. Look for the elephant. Look for the thing that's right in front of your face, but you've been missing it because you think you're supposed to be looking for something else. Oh, again, that's the very beginning that looking for what you think you're supposed to be looking for is following someone else's rule. That's right. Mm. I love this. I could talk to you all year. We could talk about (laughs) books for the rest of our lives. I think that we could. I think. But I have two more questions for you before I'm respectful of your time and release you onto your merry way because I don't want to take up any precious reading time. My first question for you is super goofy. Okay. Let's say that Avon comes to you and they say, listen, we're going to do this differently this time. Instead of having you write a book, we want one of our authors to write a romance novel based on your life and business. (laughs) What would you suggest as the book title for a romance novel about your life and business? Damn, that is, I am not so good on the spot with stuff like that. The the book that my kids have always titled for me is not your typical lesbian. Can that be a, rom- yes! can that be a romance novel title? Absolutely. Not your typical lesbian. Absolutely. I mean, we've already <laughs> mentioned that you are a lesbian who falls for the smolder. So just, yeah. yeah, it's a, there's, there's, there's used to just be Sting and Lenny Kravitz. And, and the rule, the house rule is... <laughs> If Lenny Kravitz asks, the answer is yes. That's <laughs> but my my girlfriend's in the same boat. She was like, "Oh, fuck yes!" And now I have to be. Although the difference is, Lenny is Lenny all the time, and Reggae Jean Page is only Simon and Bridgerton. Right. So God love him. I think he's fucking amazing. I think he's an incredible actor. He, I will be a fan forever. But I don't think I would necessarily swoon in the presence of Reggae Jean Page unless. He smoldered me, but then he was be then he would be his character. I mean, that's Sebastian Stan right there. Like, I am not gonna hurl my panties at Sebastian Stan in I Tanya, but Bucky Barnes could get it. That's what I'm talking about. But Lenny Kravitz is always Lenny Kravitz, and the answer is always yes. 
Not well, your typical lesbian. If my listeners want to start a conversation with you to learn more about your workshops that you've mentioned or the Brave Method, or they know how they can put you in touch with Lenny Kravitz, what oh! is the best way for or my listeners to start a conversation <laughs> with you? Yeah, dude, I'm so easy to find. My kids think that it's cool. They think I'm a celebrity because all you have to do is like Google Heather Vickery and I pop up. Um, let's not tell them that it doesn't mean I'm a celebrity. Let's no one tell, tell Heather's that. kids. Because really, like, it's so fun that they think I'm famous. Um, no, it, my website is vickeryandco.com. My, um, my Instagram tag... Facebook, Twitter, all the places is at Vickery and co. I'm really super easy to find. Also, I just want to be clear. We've talked about these two very handsome fellas. I'm super gay. I'm so not pan. I'm not bi. I'm a, I'm a super lesbo. Um, and I'm really proud of it, but that doesn't mean I can't appreciate flat out sex appeal. However, it's presented. Amen to that. Because there are no fucking rules. Well, you are certainly not the average lesbian, and you are <laughs> certainly not the average podcast guest, and TLTQ is certainly not your average podcast. So when you bring all those things together, I think we've delivered a hell of an episode today, Heather. Thank you so freaking much for being here. Heather is going to help me and my book club, The Clitterary Coven, come up with a list of romance to read before you pick up a Julia Quinn novel. That's going to be in the show notes. Please make sure that you check that out. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Thank you for having me. So much fun. Heck yes. Well, hey there, listeners. Happy final glorious days of Pride Month. I hope you're all living large and loving loudly by your own set of rules. This episode revolved around romance novels, but underneath an even greater devotion was on full display. Reading. Although audiobooking totally counts, too. Books have been my favorite escape for as long as I could remember, including marketing and sales books. I know, I know, nerd alert. I just can't get enough. Now, I'd love to say that I love every single thing that I read, but I totally don't. Some choices are just meh, and some, beloved by seemingly the entire universe, make me cranky on a good day, and on a bad day, just don't bring them up unless you want to unleash a profanity-laced Annie rant. Your homework this week is to give a popular book in your industry your own version of the Shonda Rhimes treatment. Now, I am not saying you need to pull a Gabrielle Bernstein and write an entire book that's really just A Course in Miracles but blonder. If there is a central conceit of a book that you wholeheartedly disagree with, now is the time to boldly make the opposite assertion in your newsletter, in a video, or a social post. Or if there's something that had so much potential, but just didn't quite rise to the potential brilliance, how can you add potency and fresh perspective to that issue? Or maybe it's something you love as much as Heather loves Lenny Kravitz. What tribute can you pay that will provide actionable strategies or mindset shifts for your own audience? It's not about plagiarism. It's about possibility. 
How can you show us something beautiful and new, even if the foundation is as old as love itself? I can't wait to hear what you come up with. And until then, happy reading. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, Annie P. Ruggles. What if you never had to sell alone again? If you always felt safe and seen and supported in selling situations because you only had to show up as your best and also most ordinary self. You can profit just by being you without one gimmick, one inch of sleaze. To find out more about our membership, visit www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Too Legitimate to Quit is written and hosted by me, Annie Passanisi Ruggles. Our editor and producer is Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our incredible earworm of a theme tune was composed and performed by Riley Horbasio. Our beautiful show art is by Francois Vigneault. And my beautiful, wonderful, amazing creative director, Georgia Curran, handles my social media accounts with care. Listen, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear how your homework is going, what you think of the show, or what topics you'd love to see covered here. Feel free to reach out to me on any platform with messaging. But the best for me are LinkedIn, where you'll find me under my name, Annie P. Ruggles, or on Instagram, where you'll find me at Anniepreneur. And please don't forget to send this show to people that you think would benefit or to drop us a review wherever you listen to podcasts that really helps our show grow. Until next week, remember, you're too legit to quit.